Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the text locate story with my friend Ryan Rogers. How's it going, Ryan? It's going great, Joe. Thank you for having me on. Excellent. I'm glad to have you on. So please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. So it's um, Ryan Rogers with Text Locate. We are actually in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So right here in Freight Alley, oh, right down from Freightways. Very, yeah. very nice. Yes. So tell us a little bit about uh, Text Locate. What, what do you guys do over there? So we're we're very a simplified method of communicating with drivers, third party carriers. So for example, freight brokers and logistics company use our product as a way and a means to communicate all via via direct text message, no app involved at all. So we're a communication layer between the third party carrier and the freight broker or logistics professional. Yep. Just another option for visibility, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a complimentary option to many of them that are out there. Yeah, and it's text locate. It's one word but it's the word text and then capital yes. L and then locate. <laughs> yeah, it was great to be able to find that as a as a dot com option when we were starting the business Woo-hoo! this year. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's a huge win if you're starting a business and you find something like that. And the fact that we can have a name that is, again, it defines and, and shows the simplicity of how we like to communicate all via text and very frictionless. And text locate was one of those uh, names that just resonated well. It explains exactly what we do. We use text message capability for location updates. We were very fortunate. Excellent. We'll get back into that in a minute. But first, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some little information about young Ryan Reynolds. R- 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 young Ryan Rogers, <laughs> not Reynolds. Yeah, so it it was really, I've been fortunate. I, I grew up here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So been in Tennessee pretty much all of my career. And so I was very fortunate to grow up here. I went to school at a little a small school up near Nashville called MTSU, Middle Tennessee State. Then ended up coming back and finished up here locally at UTC in their business program. What is UTC? University of Texas? University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. So we have a, as you, you know, UT Vols, most people know that, is uh, we have a, a state school network between here, Tennessee, here in Chattanooga and a few other cities. And so finished up here and got my MBA here as well. Very nice, very nice. So now, when you see uh, the University of Tennessee, is that so? You're a Vols fan? Is that is that? I am a Vols fan. So growing up in Chattanooga, we didn't really have any any other sports or professional sports. So a fan of the Atlanta Braves, they're the closest. You know, probably about an hour and forty five minutes south of us. And then went to a lot of Tennessee football games up in Knoxville. And this was all when I was younger, prior to the Titans coming to to Tennessee. How far away is Knoxville from uh, Chattanooga? Just about an hour and a half. It's not very far. So we're Chattanooga sits in between. So we're about an hour and a half to, to Knoxville, two hours to Nashville, a little under two hours to Atlanta, and about two and a half to Birmingham. That's one of the reasons it's been so successful why Chattanooga is the uh, trucking and technology capital now. <laughs> yeah, especially since we, we sit in my career, my background we'll get into, obviously, is the has uh, been in transportation and in trucking my whole career. And it's I think a lot of that has to do with 75. So when I talk to people up north that say, hey, yeah, I come through Chattanooga or I stay in Chattanooga all the time headed to, to the beach. And you, everything kind of funnels through between 24 right. and 75. 
Everybody, I'm sorry, I'm in Michigan. So everybody in Michigan, it's the law. We have to go to Florida. Even if you don't right. want it, you got to get in the car. Right. Or, and probably flown down there most of the times. But back in the day, it was airfare was not always cheap. And right. so I've made that trip. You can load up the minivan and uh, make a trip. And it seems like no matter what you do, you got to stop in Chattanooga. There's just this one of those stops that you can't It's afford. a good halfway point. <laughs> yeah. It really yep. is. So, so you grew up there. What kind of kid were you? You play sports. You go. You go to work. What'd you do? Yeah. So as as a kid, I I played a little sports, not a whole lot, just more kind of intramural in high school and things like that. I was never really a a sports kid as far as gun hole and gun ho and anything. Played a little soccer, a little bit of baseball, things like that. Flight football, more for fun and just to do something from an exercise perspective. But I was always kind of had this little bit of entrepreneurial spirit, whether it was. You know, your typical set up your lemonade stands or sell something or do something. But Cutting grass. Um, yeah, exactly. Cut grass. Yeah. So I lived, I wouldn't say it was a, a farm, but we had, we had about 30, 40 acres when I was growing up. So my, we didn't like work it like a farm, but my, my parents always instilled my brother and I to, you know, we had to do a lot of that work. And I remember uh, yeah. getting tired of using that weed eater, you know, trimming those fence lines and stuff. But uh, um, yeah, that's a lot of land. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, you know, my kids make fun of me now. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, would you have to walk six miles in the snow to school? And I was like, no, but I really did have to keep up the yard and do things like that. So always, always instill that that work ethic and, and where I grew up. And it was always something interesting. My my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom, my grandparents were as well. They I lived in a little town outside of Chattanooga called Appison. And my grandfather had the local small grocery store there. Oh, so you grew up with the, this little bit of entrepreneurial uh, I did. spirit in your blood. That's good. Yes, it is. So give us some career highlights. You went to school, and when you graduated, what was your first gig? you go right to logistics, or did you uh, waste a whole bunch of time not being in logistics? No, I, I really, <laughs> believe it or not, I, I did. It wasn't specifically uh, as, as logistical as I am now from an operation perspective. But when I was in college, I did a handful of odd jobs that where I would do things that were selling this or selling that, trying to make some money. And then when I got out of school, when I was finishing my MBA here at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, here finishing that up, a few months before I finished my MBA, I ended up with an opportunity, got a job and career with U.S. Express. So started oh. off U.S. Express right Starting here in Chattanooga. Big. Very nice. Yeah, well, and I and I didn't even really, you know, quite quite understand it at first. U.S. Express had recently they had just moved into a new corporate headquarters just right off the interstate off I seventy five in the suburbs, kind of near where I grew up, and so I was like, "Ah, oh, this looks cool." It's a really, it was a super fancy building. It was really so. That's nice. the Fuller family, correct? Sort of. Yes, Max Fuller. Yeah, and so that's that's Craig's dad, and then what's his brother's name? I think. Yeah, he has. It's Craig, and then they have two brothers, Eric. He has two brothers, Eric and Chris, and. So I ended up getting an opportunity there with, and this is this super shiny, cool building. And I didn't understand trucking. You know, I knew it was a publicly traded and I had traded the stock a little bit and stuff, having fun with that, I had a little day trading, but it started understanding it more and got in and realized real quick how much technology was involved and how much was more than people perceive trucking to in logistics and all the pieces and the components and how everything worked. It was really uh, interesting. And my first job was entry level. I was a financial analyst. And basically back then I was kind of like building spreadsheets with all the grinding and pulling all the aggregating data for KPIs. Yep. 
Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, it's great that you had an opportunity to go to one of the bigger and one of the big it was. and one of the best companies. And God, you were really kind of being Chattanooga. It was a sleepy little town when you grew up, but I, that, you were in on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah, I have. It's, it's Chattanooga has a, awakened from a transportation and really a draw as a really nice outdoor city over the past kind of in my career. I've seen it since joining U.S. Express originally. Yeah, and by the way, I interviewed Craig Fuller, and we talked a lot about Chattanooga. Maybe I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but it was why Chattanooga is the Silicon Valley of trucking, which when you say that to someone outside of this industry, they're like, Chattanooga, Silicon Valley? What what, what are you talking about? They don't have a sense for it. They don't also have a sense for how quickly in the last 10 years things have changed in the trucking business. They think of, well, 10, 15 years. They think it's still the sleepy old trucking and uh logistics business but it's anything but anyway so how long were you at us express and what, what what gigs did you do over there yeah so i i was there for 16 years for a long period Whoa. of my career yeah there for a long time really enjoyed it had a great experience and came up through i think what really helped is that there was a lot of us express was going through a lot of growth we made some additional acquisitions so there was always a need for things to be you know worked out processes put in place dynamic issues, place to work very much and the growth was so quick and, and that's so good much for a young person it, it was very good yeah it was and i had two really good mentors there that poured a lot of time in me and i was able to just pour time into learning new things and 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 solving problems so i went through uh, really from the those kpis and then into treasury and financial side and then i ended up being the treasurer for the company and it was funny because i had wow. about 40 45 people in treasury and people would be like we never see treasury. And I was like, well, it's not exactly treasury. So we have a couple of financially driven people, but the rest were back office operations like um, the fuel department and negotiating purchasing contracts with that and then helping assist with things with IT and communications and real estate and facilities. So it was a it was a whole you know aggregate of all different pieces. And I think that really is what helped me tremendously during my time at US Express is to get to be involved as there were problems and, and needs there that I was able to work and, and fix and repair and help improve the business. So what was your last job there before you went to the next opportunity? So my last job there, what was interesting is during all that financial time, I ended up also working with Craig and I actually worked together on a, with a sister company during a period of time at Transcard. It was a prepaid fuel card and MasterCard type business. Very and nice. And we worked together for about a year and a half doing that. And so that was really interesting during, it was kind of a dual role, role with my treasury. And then kind of Craig was uh, spending some time out of town and doing a lot of sales. And then when he moved back to Chattanooga, he came back into the, assume all the responsibility, which mine was just interim. And at that point, I'd work myself out of a job. You know, I had built a good team. And and um, at that point in time, the market was a little bit different. It was in 2012. And we weren't doing a lot of M&A activity and things like that. So there was a couple opportunities to either get involved in the dedicated side or get involved in the freight brokerage. Well, coming from that non-asset side that I had just experienced with Transcard, I really had a strong appeal to brokerage. So that's when I actually took over and started leading the brokerage team as chief operating officer for the brokerage division. Nicely done. And we, yeah, it was great. And, you know, we had a team there. There was a group of people and a lot of them with brokerage background. And we just said, okay, how do we really ignite the brand in US Express? And so we had a lot of great team members that put it together, started a recruiting effort using the brand, US Express brand. And and it's, you know, strength behind it in recognition in the market. And we grew that brokerage business from about 40 million to just right under 200 million in about 
really in about two and a half years, aggressively grew it. Yeah. (laughs) It was so much fun. Uh, We were hiring people. That must have been a lot of hiring. It was a lot of hiring. It was a lot of training and it was giving a lot of people latitude to really build the business like, like a mini entrepreneur business to, to develop it. We, we built teams out, small groups and small teams that had, had somebody kind of lead that team from a carrier and a customer side and really grew it, opened three or three or four outside locations between Chicago and Phoenix, Toledo, Minneapolis. It was a lot of growth, but really fast, but it was a, a whole lot of fun. And that was my last role that I had there at US Express. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I've, I've noticed, I've not been in this business my whole career. I always started off as an automotive guy, but I would say I got into this business like 2010. And one of the things I noticed was at the time, there seemed to be brokerage companies and trucking companies. And usually, I mean, there were some that were were both, but it seems as if now in the last 10 years, I've seen just a ton of activity where trucking companies say, we need to open a brokerage. And I I know of one very large, a 500 500 truck carrier that said, we're getting rid of our trucks because they grew their brokerage. Oh, wow. And but it seems as if there was a real need to do that just because of the economics of the business. You always need that backhaul and you go, I don't have a backhaul. And then you're calling some outside broker to go help you out. And you're like, geez, oh, Pete, can't we do that ourselves? Is that Was that kind of the thought you guys had? Yeah, it was. Um, we were also building an independent brand. I mean, there was opportunities to help the asset side, but then there was opportunities just to help customer needs where customer would, a customer would have more needs than we were. We had the capability with the number of trucks to always service. So it was both. It was help from a customer perspective. Then it was also to help with backhaul needs on the assets as well. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And it's interesting. Back then, I don't think it's as prevalent now, but back then I have always felt there was people who would say when I, I managed a non-asset, non-asset base 3PL and people would say, do you have trucks? And you go, no, click, <laughs> right? They're done. They yeah. don't want to talk to you. And so, but then I think the challenge, even if you have trucks, nobody, very few companies have enough trucks to cover the entire country. So you kind of always, if you say, I want to work with someone who has assets, you want to work with somebody who has assets also has a brokerage because you need both. Yeah, it was very convenient. And we also traded freight, you know, from a brokerage perspective with other large trucking companies throughout the country and other opportunities that were out there. So, yeah, it was a blend where you were able to help, again, customer needs and that mix back and forth with whatever the situation may be. Because the market is, it's really big, but you don't always have the right truck in the right location at the right time. And so therefore, but sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. And you can use somebody else, use an outside, which we had a lot of really good outside third-party carriers that did a great job for us. Yeah. When I was selling for a, an asset-based trucking company, one of the, things, the lessons I learned, I thought it was going to be like shooting fish in a barrel, but you got to sell the ops team on it. <laughs> so you, first, oh, yeah. you sell, first you sell yes. the customer and then you go over and say to the ops guy, hey, could pretty please we get some a truck to do this twice a week? He says, what's the back call? Well, I'm working on it. He goes, Call, come back when you got the back off. <laughs> yeah. They need to pair it up because, I mean, that's true. It's it's very difficult for. There's, there's not a lot of money in this business unless you get the back off. You're exactly right. So what was your next gig? So after that, I took a little bit, actually took a little time off, had a non-compete in the, in the market and just took a little time off. I did some consulting with a handful of companies like 
Trucker Path, RMI, RMIS, did a little bit with ComData and those guys for a period of time, and then ended up with an opportunity to get connected with the team at Amazon, and they were this was kind of at a turning point when they were really building out their network. So what year was that? Uh, that was in 2016, and got connected with them, ended up going, you know, starting off in a role with them. They actually opened in Atlanta corporate headquarters. It was the first corporate office outside of Seattle in all of Amazon. It was really uh, interesting, and we just took over a, a space in downtown. Atlanta just makeshift until they got our space built out and then so I had procurement and my team was in Seattle so it was really a lot of fun I started working with a lot of the carriers that were my peers in the past all of a sudden I became their customer liaison inside of Amazon for procurement for North America and so I was traveling pretty often to visit with carriers our different network facilities between Chicago Phoenix areas and then a team in Seattle that we did all the so it was more on the procurement the negotiation and the relationship on the carrier side it was really a lot of fun though it was a great it was a great time to be there yeah so what's interesting five years ago almost six years ago, because we're almost at 2022. Six years ago, if you talk about Amazon logistics, people were like, oh, Amazon's getting into logistics. And it was all, <laughs> you're like, then I get into logistics. They are logistics. And at that time, I imagine there were a lot of people saying to you, if you were to say to a buddy, yeah, I'm working with Amazon and in logistics, they're like, Oh, no, they're a tech company. They don't do logistics. <laughs> yeah, or you would hear, like, in Chattanooga, they have a couple of warehouses. So you you would hear, oh, okay, is that in the warehouse? And uh, right. I'm like, well, that's part of the pieces we do, but it, it's a corporate piece of it. But, yeah, it was amazing. A lot of what you see today with the small carrier fleet, that was just getting established during my time there, and we were really growing the larger fleet size to, to meet our needs, and those things have shifted a lot. How many trucks do they have now? I don't even know. You know, I don't even know the number on the trucks. They have a lot of some small day cabs and things like that, but most of what they're doing are still trailers, the vast trailers. majority. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was, so it's funny, somebody said on my podcast, they said, Amazon's not getting into logistics. They are logistics. They're a logistics oh, yeah. company. and Very much so. You know, that AWS was always, like Amazon Web Services was always kind of the side business that all of a sudden became one of their main businesses. Same with logistics. It was never like, well, yeah, they're just dabbling in it, it seemed. And then all of a sudden, in fact, there's been people on my podcast who say that's going to be the next Amazon Web Services in terms of major contribution to the bottom line. Yeah, they have they have been growing it dramatically. And in some of that, like when I think about even with what I've started with TextLocate and kind of that entrepreneurial spirit, a lot of what I've done, even into my next career from there, I transitioned to chief transformation officer at Covenant Transport. And I think it's, I think I've had some success with obviously getting the right team members and having, you know, the fortunate to work with a lot of good people. But it's kind of that entrepreneurial you know, kind of aspect. You're inside a big right. business. You're able to create something. That was something I was able to do at my time there at US Express. And then Amazon, of course, is driven 150% that way to kind of build out your business. So I think that just kept sparking that. And even when I moved to um, transition to Covenant for the past three years that I spent there was really tech, M&A, innovation, kind of transformation, leading helping them with a right. M&A opportunity to transition Covenant more into the warehousing side of the space than than just a long haul trucking company. So what was what was your opportunity? What, what was your job over at Covenant? It was chief transformation officer. And what were they transforming to? Yeah. So they were really trying to tra transition the business from being only long haul and only just asset driven. They wanted to get a variety of a couple 
couple of things. They wanted to get involved in the warehousing side of the business, manage trans, and they wanted to grow their brokerage side. So we acquired a company and that was in the warehousing business that had two or three million square feet that really got them into that warehousing side of the business and managed trans. I was part of the team that we originally found that group and closed on that acquisition. And then I led their tech team. They wanted to really take their tech to the next level. So I led that group and we're really kind of looking at the next you know capabilities for with Covenant with all these activities going on. And then probably about a year in or maybe a year and a half in, the gentleman that was running their brokerage division retired and they asked me to oversee that as well. So then we went and kind of ignited their their brokerage group similar to US Express and uh, really started ga- gathering you know, the, additional talent. You had the talent. blueprint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And growing it um, rapidly and, and took it kind of to the next level. And then COVID hit, a lot of things changed, you know, shifted right at first. There was a lot, obviously there was a lot of fallout with freight and people that were shut down and impacts to that. And so there was kind of a transition that was going on inside of Covenant. And so I ended up transitioning out of Covenant at the end of January of this year and then ended up leading me to the text locate path. So before we get to text locate, so Covenant is also a Fuller company. So that's Max Fuller's brother started that company. Am I right to say that? Sort of. So Max's father, Clyde Fuller, he originally had a company called Southwest Motor Freight, which it's funny because we, my office is here on Main Street. Literally, we're a small business in, on Main Street in, in Chattanooga between Main <laughs> and Market. And just about probably a mile and a half down is where Southwest Motor Freight was and US, US Express originally. But Max's father, Clyde, was on that business. And as he was selling that business, he had Max. And then there was another gentleman named Pat, Pat Quinn that was not, not related, but he was an attorney during all of the deregulation years. So, and then the other, they had a stepson, Clyde did, that. his name's David Parker. And so David, Max, and Pat were going to all join forces at one point and start a business. David decided to do, kind of go on his own path. So Max and Pat started U.S. Express, and David um, Parker started Covenant. I know there's lots of businesses in Chattanooga, but it's this kind of the, all the the Fuller stories that we we hear so much about. And again, I think when Craig Fuller was on my podcast, he did talk about Covenant being kind of family member, also U.S. Express, and all that led to all the great stuff. And again, I, I've had Freightways on my podcast many times, and I know you were just on Freightways. They've become. I always joke about this, but it's kind of it feels like they're the sun, and we're all just rotating. Right? They're the, we orbit. We orbit the Freightways uh, logistics universe now yeah they've done a good job with content and news and oh yeah they've done really craig's done a nice job that and his team yep so when i know you just said so but i'll ask you again when and why did you start text locate what kind of hole did you see in the market what opportunity did you see that was out there so we so when i was transitioning out of covenant in january just trying to figure out okay what do i want to do next the opportunity kind of came up over the past like just assessing and looking at opportunity and operational needs and from all these years of being in transportation and brokerage, you, you would hear the same chatter on the floor. Dri- brokers are trying to get in touch with drivers. They're trying to get in, you know, get an update, things like that. And there's a lot of really good tools. Like, for example, Project 44 has got a really fantastic right. application and a really good product. And we were using them at the time, and it was working effectively. But what I would hear is sometimes you would you would see a couple things. You would see somebody texting from their phone or on Telegram app or something like that. And then you would, I can't get in touch with the driver, or the driver's having trouble um, getting their you know connectivity with the application or getting signed in. Whether they were having those struggles or drivers just didn't want to do it, you know, we just saw this as a opportunity. And I've got a 
some additional partners that did on the development side, younger guys that said, Hey, we've got an idea. The three of us sat down and we were like, how do we do this? And we were like, Hey, we've got, we've all kind of got this idea and we think there's a need. I mean, I felt genuinely that there was a need for a simplified product. And again, this wasn't something like we never put text locate together to say, Hey, we're going to replace P44. We're going to replace all these tools. We said, Hey, those are great tools and I bet they'll keep growing because apps have continued to get better. People are more accustomed to using those from a location perspective, but there's still this challenge and resistance. So how do we actually take it from the other side? So the applications are growing in the market, but on the other end of the spectrum is the old school telephone that we still know, pick up the phone and call. So we said, okay, how do we digitize that phone call? So our goal is to continue growing the text capabilities for logistics from the phone call perspective, how do I eliminate that phone call or reduce it? Really, you don't always, you never eliminate it just because there's usually, a, a, you know, if you have an urgency situation, but how do we create text ability? So that's when we kind of came up with the idea. We can combine text messaging and then get a location update. And then we can also layer in two-way chat so that you can have an easy conversation via our dashboard with an actual driver that is very very frictionless because the smartphones, the timing has worked out great because smartphones are a very large percentage, obviously today than they've ever been with drivers. So that capabilities there with texting and and it just, it it worked from a simplistic perspective. And then we started developing the tool. It was one of those things that we started putting some pieces together that looked very ugly and it was terrible, but we finally got it to work and we were like, Hey, this works. Now, how do we figure out how would somebody use it in day-to-day application? It will. And how do, how do they use it? So we had to start putting those pieces together. So let me ask you some, a few dumb questions because that's what I'm best at. So right now, if I, if I was, are brokers actually calling trucking companies when the dri- and the driver is driving the truck and he picks up the phone and says, hi, or do they wait for the driver to call when the driver stopped? Because it seems no, to me they don't, it's they don't pretty dangerous that. to have those guys calling on the phone. It is. I mean, a lot of places, if you, if you kind of watch as you're driving, you'll see, like, for example, a lot of the fuel stops sell Bluetooth headsets like crazy. So you'll see a lot of drivers driving yep. on the road and they'll have the larger headsets on, you know, cause it just is more comfortable sits on their head, but they have those. So brokers, if you think about it, if you're a logistics professional and you need to get in touch with a driver, you don't, you don't know if they're awake, asleep, you don't know because, I mean, drivers sleep right. all different times of the day, depending on the freight. Right. They had a know. huge traffic jam and maybe they said this yeah. is the time to take a break. And you don't know if they're you don't know if they're driving. You don't know if they're stopped. So you don't have that information typically at your fingertips. So, yes, they will make phone calls throughout the day as they need to you know, check on updates to say, OK, how's the freight coming? Where are they located? Are they on are they on pace to make delivery? And so they do call. So those calls can be met with waking somebody up. It could be also met with somebody doing exactly the right thing with their headset on. Hopefully we don't have people driving without the headsets, but I'm sure it could happen. Even with the headset. So I'm an executive coach who is brain expert. She's get, went to school for undergrad and her master's in speech pathology. And so she's a brain expert. And she says she doesn't talk on her phone at all when she's driving. And she says, it's not about a Bluetooth. She says, it's just about, you can't focus. Concentration. She said, we all think we can multitask, but she says, all the research says, no, we are not that smart. We aren't good enough for that. And I always think that, you know, the, the drivers have their safety, their, their safety record is what they live on. Right. Oh, it very much is. Yeah. And so we don't want to be bothering them. So, so there are still check calls and you alluded to project 44 and I just had the guys from Tive on. Yeah. Great guys. Yeah. 
Crenaron, and they've actually putting the the sensor, which is about the size of a deck of card, right on the right on the freight. Which that I think there's a lot of companies are going to start using that because that'll tell you not only where your stuff's at, but also if your temperature control is a concern. Yeah. Or it'll also measure vibrations. It'll measure, you know, what your freight is going through, which is, uh, if you're moving servers or something, uh, I don't want to get those servers and they go, hey, they look good. But then you turn, you know, you go to turn them on and find out these must have hit some big bumps along the way. So we, we had a big, a big opportunity with ELD when it comes to visibility. Talk a little bit about that, Ryan. Yeah. So the ELT from, or ELD from visibility perspective, which is electronic logging device. So talk a little bit about hours of service and what all that means, because not everybody knows that. Yeah. So those devices are extremely effective and they are important and people have all different ranges. Like for example, in my past, we've had multiple units in the asset side that are mounted in the dash of the truck and has all that display and all that information and monitors how long the driver to make sure that they're taking breaks and stops and they're getting enough rest to, you know, to feel good driving for a long period of time. Cause as you can imagine, I don't know about you, but me, I mean, if I drive a long, long ways to Florida, I'm tired and these guys are, you know, I couldn't do it. Men and women out there that are working hard, that are driving trucks. It's a, it's a really tough draining job. So the ELD is to ensure that they are being compliant and they can, they can be right. checked at any time throughout the, you know, while they're running freight to be able to check. So they do that in the ELD market, which P44 is doing a really good job of attaching to those ELD devices, no matter whose device they get connected and bring that data back. Right. So in the way I think you talk about something like a P44 or a, a Tive, you know, what's really nice about Tive's products, a really cool product, more from the shipper side of the perspective, but it gives that constant, you know, activity. The difference is, is the layer of communication, again, to ta- contact with the driver. So, for example, with our product being full two-way capability, you could let the driver know if there is a heat, if there is a sensory issue, you know, if the, if the product's getting too hot or too cold, or if there's been some disruption or things like that, you could alert the driver. The logistic company would be able to, like, use our product via two-way chat or even a shipper if they wanted to have direct connect to the driver who's driving that freight. And what we talked about on the phone, the nice thing about text, we don't want, obviously, them to text while driving. Um, but a lot of times you can use voice voice text back capability. Right. You can also not answer it at that time. And there's plenty of texts that I get driving to my office, and I don't respond to them. They just pop up, and then when I get to a good place, then I'll respond. Or if yeah, somebody's in the discipline. car. <laughs> yeah, and if somebody's in the car with me, they can respond for me. So text allows it to be that a little less sense of urgency. You know, okay, I'll text them back when I'm in a good spot to do that instead of that phone call is uh, probably the highest sense of urgency. Or that's the way I look at it, even from my perspective. Right. I get a whole lot more text in a day than I do phone call, which people may ask me a question. I'm like, okay, but if they call, it's like, okay, they need something a little more immediate. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan, I know you text, I text. We're on the older end of that, though. You think about it, you didn't text as a kid. Your right. kids, my kids, they text that sometimes it's the first thing they do rather than call where you go, what are you doing? Call them, right? Yeah, but just call real quick and get that answer. Yeah. yeah. But getting back to it, we always had hours of service and then we, so drivers could only drive a certain amount of hours. Then we got the ELD mandate, what, two, three years ago? When the ELD mandate came out, and I've had people on my podcast who've talked about that maybe not being the greatest thing, but it was great from a perspective of we could start putting this location stuff in there so that we have the P44 and others that have started you saying we can track there. In addition, we also had people uh, said come into the market. 
the Uber Freights, the Convoys, Transfix that says, hey, we got an app. Download our app onto your phone and we can track you. Right. Those are all great. And then Tive comes along and Tive's got this great thing. And he, as you said, it might be more shipper driven, but I know some carriers use it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You put that in, you put that on your freight. All those are good options. But this is a massive market. This is a humongous market. And what we're all doing, we've got two customers. We've got the people who want to ship freight, but the, the truckers are also our customer. The carriers absolutely. are also our customer. Yes. And some of them, to your point, we were talking about this. They don't want, they don't always want to download an app. They don't always. Right kind of want to play the game you want them to play. And they are the customer. They're one of the customers. So we have to take care of them. So what you're saying, it's just one more option. If you find somebody who doesn't want to do it this way, you say, that's fine. We use text locate. That'll get you there too. Yeah, absolutely. So they do, you do find resistance. And some people, some drivers don't want to be tracked constantly. They, they do a great job getting from point A to B and they feel like, Hey, I'm a professional. I'm going to get the product from A or B. If A to B, if I don't, I'm going to let you know if there are situation or risk. And then some do, some don't. So they like what our capability is, is it really sends out the text to the driver. And so think of it like digitizing a, a phone call. We send a text to the driver asking them to respond and give their consent with current updated location. They feel very good about being able to respond to that because 99 out of 100 times, if you call a driver, they'll give you their current location. There's a few that are, hey, they didn't do what they were supposed to, and they're trying to make up time or cover up, you know, if they had an they issue. They stopped to see their girlfriend or something. Whatever it may be. <laughs> and But most of them will give you that location back. And then the two-way chat saying simple things like, have you arrived? Have you departed? It's just easy con- concepts to be able to text that message right back and give, you know, any kind of information update. And I've looked at some of the logs, and it's usually not very lengthy things. It's very simple, and it's very all business-driven. Is hey, have you arrived yet? No, I just you know i haven't arrived should be there in an hour or yes just just got unloaded there it's very basic simple information that they're putting together yep so you know it's interesting you you started saying some people don't want to be tracked all the time there are a lot of jobs out there if you if you go to work in a phone center right now a lot of those phone centers will say okay well when you go to the restroom i just press this button so we know not to route a call your way Right, and come back, and then and and and, and potentially at some point somebody says, "Geez, oh Pete, you went to the bathroom three times on your shift yesterday," and that feels real dehumanizing. Where you're like, "Are you kidding me? Are you worried that much right. about?" <laughs> and the same thing you hear about sometimes in big distribution centers, DCs, where they're right. saying, "We want to measure your work." It's always been something that tr- happens in factories, and I can see a lot of people saying, "You aren't going to treat me like that." I was, and, and truck drivers still have that heritage of, I'm a cowboy. And I don't say that in a negative way. I say it in a positive way is I'm free. I'm, I'm moving your freight. I'm a professional. You aren't going to, you aren't going to put me in your little box because I'm the one driving down this crowded expressway. I'm the one group potentially away from my family. I'll be treated like a professional. You don't do that to your lawyer. You don't do that to your doctor. You're not doing it right. to me. So I get that. And it's a huge market. So all it takes is if one or 2% of the market says, I'm not doing it, then text right. locate is going to be really successful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I predict, I've kind of estimated right now there's tens of millions of check calls being made a day. I mean, when you take all the large brokers out there, the large 3PLs, shippers, you can imagine the updates that are needed. So again, we're not trying to, you know, take over the market. Right. We're trying to work with others. We, we think option. we'll be on the smaller percentage side closer to the phone call 
But that is a, like you said, a huge market and a huge opportunity for people to, to use our product as a, is to fill the gap in their visibility. Ryan, I just had Paula Courtney on my podcast and she was talking, she's, uh, does market research, customer research on why people lose customers. And one of the reasons we lose customers is we get a new technology and we say, cool, Ryan, I don't, we don't have to talk anymore. We're all going to work this out through this app. And you right. go, oh, that's cool. I'll just call you when I need. It. No, no, you don't call me anymore. You just go through my app. And if if you're a guy who says, no, dude, I want a phone call. Now I might lose you. If I say, oh, no, Ryan, you don't have to call me. Go to my website or go to my app or send me an email. And you go, damn it. I want to talk to you, Joe. And that's one of the places we screw up is not giving the technology is to give our customers an option because sometimes they want to go online and do it. Other times they might want an app. Maybe they want to make a phone call. Maybe they want the text locate. What we're doing is we're giving our customer an option. And again, make no mistake, fellas, the trucking company is your customer. (laughs) Oh, they are. They're the ones that are making it move every day. Yeah, you don't, want, funny. you don't want to upset them in this market. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned even you were mentioning Tav earlier about servers and stuff. I can remember when at the beginning of COVID, Tav would have been Tav would have been awesome. The shippers would have loved it if they could have put it in a truckload of toilet paper. <laughs> if you remember oh, back yeah. at the beginning of COVID, you would see these lines and lines of eighteen wheelers lined up ready for paper products that and you right. know, toilet paper and paper towels and stuff. So there's all different unique needs and everything is so much more just in time in logistics than it's ever been, which I think right. is obviously what, why we're seeing some of the current catch up at this point in time. So now to use text locate, I know we talked a little bit about this before we hit record, but is there, there's not a big setup, right? <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> no, it's a, extremely easy. When I was in the role and I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to have this and sell this product and have a conversation with somebody, I want to make it super easy. They can, we actually have customers signing up every day for free accounts. So we have a free account. You just go to textlocate.com, sign up, and then you can get your free account set up. It's, it's a handful of pings, 20 a month, but it gets you at least testing the product out and using it. Right. And if you're a real small business, maybe that's all you need. You can use it for free, but you can literally be set up and, and going. And, you know, we say five minutes. Honestly, if you do it real quick, you just set up your user, your email address and password, and you're automatically ready to go. You could be up and running in you know a minute two minutes at most so i'm an android guy so if i could go on here and just type in text locate i could download it also well remember we're not an app so you would just oh that's right so as a that's why it's even easier right this is potentially when they don't want to do an app because you said some 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 fellas and i can see especially the older guys the average person driving a truck is what 53 54 years old now somewhere in that range yeah it's in the mid 50s so i'm not not to say those 50 somethings don't use technology we do but this is it maybe if somebody says i have app fatigue i already downloaded everybody's damn app every app right which one am i using today who's which logistics provider who am i hauling freight so does the trucking company does the trucker have to go on to that he just has to get a text so like for example our idea customer would be logistics professional so the logistics company goes online sets up they set up an account really quick it automatically activates and they're basically, I mean, they're in business within just, you know, two minutes. It's a dashboard in your like Chrome or Safari browser. You just have a dashboard. You can immediately start interacting with a driver within just minutes. You can start having two-way conversations with them. And then on that, you can additionally, we have, uh, we've built out something a little more unique and we've built out packages 
for um, pricing packages that are all on our website. So we've had customers go out, they set up their free account, they sign up for whichever paid account they want, and then additionally, we have an API that can connect to your system. So we you, you can do it all via connected to your TMS system as well. So it can update my TMS, which is what yes. I always want. Yep. So from the trucker perspective, all he ever do, I just all he has to do is answer text whenever you just respond to his text message. That's or he it. could That's even do it by voice. I do a lot of video. I do a lot of voice response on my yeah. Um, me text. too. I'm about half and half. And my kids, all they do is voice. It feels like ninety percent of what they do is they voice uh, back or or something like that. Unless they're in front of mom and dad, then the thumbs go to work. yeah, exactly. Then the, <laughs> then the typing works right. So the trucker never pays for this. It's always the always the the person who's doing the tracking. Yes. So I want to switch gears just a little bit here. So they get this easy setup. So you started this company this year. You started a company during the pandemic. So July 1st. Oh my goodness. So you said you, you and your partners have, you have a few partners, you said? I do. A couple of young development there. They handle the technology side. We work together. I, I kind of work on the bat, on the, the, the workflow and the layout and they work on the technology side. So it works really. We complement each other. Very nice. Very nice. So what have been some of the trials and tribulations of starting a company during the pandemic? It's ups and downs. I mean, with everything, it's kind of like everything I've had in business. It's a roller coaster ride. I mean, one minute you think you're like super smart and like we figured this out. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, I was actually on freight waves recently with Kevin Hill and they had that same type question. And, and it was funny because I feel like the ups and downs are like your calendar. You know how you like block your calendar off in 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Like one 30 minute session, you'll have some, like we'll have this conversation and be like, Oh, this is really fun. And you feel good. And then the next minute, you know, you got a bump in the road. We've had very little from a technology perspective because we use Google, Google cloud. So we run everything and host it in the cloud. Right. So from that perspective, the stability is really good. We, we literally have only had one downtime issue and it lasted about probably 10 to 15 minutes. It's so Somehow we had the system got out of sync just a little bit and it restarted itself and fixed it. So we were lucky from that perspective. But some of the things that we've had challenges with were we rolled out a very um, minimal viable product day one. And we had a lot of people saying, "Okay, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do that? And we were like, yes, we just need time to keep building it. And so we had a lot of really good customers that were believers in the product and and wanted to support us. So they've been very patient. And once a month, it's really twice a month, we do sprints every two weeks. So we're rolling out either new features or we're rolling out, you know, doing a bug fix or something like that every couple of weeks. So we've been rolling that out consistently and we've added features and filterings and we're able to upload spreadsheets. And, you know, some of the issues we've had is there's there's challenges with the text messaging. There's really a lot of rules and regulations now, kind of like how we get text messages on our, a lot of spam on our phone that are bait. Right. You, you get more voice or I get more voice calls, you know, about issues with, you know, your car warranty or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. get a lot of those more than you do text. And it's actually, I feel like text they're regulating any even better than because they're able to see that. So we've had some bumps there that we've had to work through about how to craft the message, how to make sure all of our numbers are are really um, buttoned right. up and registered and all this. And so we had a few bumps through during that, and we got through those. And as we were learning more, there was new regulations that went in on October 1st, and we had to get you know, set up for that. And then, for example, challenges are getting, you know, customer growth and then the customers want to connect with TMS systems and we're continuing to, to drive getting more integrations with TMS systems. But the challenge that probably some of the biggest challenges, our product is different. It's new. So we're 
quote, digitizing that, that phone call and being like, I call it the superpower for visibility being both location and then just activity back and forth activity right. as well. And so it's a new product. So the challenge is people are like, yeah, it's but explaining I don't know. It. And it's explaining it and then them trying it. But once they test it and you, you know, we do a little test period or, and we go through it and we get them on an actual webinar and we can, you know, like go on a Google Meets and show them. They're like, oh, okay, I get this. And then they start implementing it quickly. And then you have buy-in with inside of the organization. So you may roll this out to two people and one loves it and one's like, won't do it because they, they always use their right. phone. And then the person that's having more success than the person with the phone go, okay, I'll try that. So it's just a matter of, you know, we like to roll out to as many people as possible because it's adoption and people changing their behaviors a little bit. It's kind of like when we first, I mean, as you know, when we first started texting, you had the old little phone, you know, you had the flip phone and you were keying like three letter, three numbers to get the right letter. And you were like, who, this is crazy. But when the iPhone and the Android devices started coming out and you could actually type sentences pretty quick, it changed. So for us, it's changing that adoption. I do remember the first time I got a text message, I was at a drive-through and I remember I got, it just, it was a a text from my friend. It was just, hi, Joe. And I was like, and then when I looked at it, it was on my flip phone or whatever I had back then. And I remember it said, I go, oh, my friend Chip's phone number called me or texted, sent me, I didn't know what even to call it. And then I called him, I said, hey, Dude, your uh, your phone number sent me this message, and he said, "No, I sent you that message." I was like, yeah. "How'd you do that?" <laughs> and then and he goes, and I go, "Why? Why didn't you just call me and say hi, Joe?" He goes, "Cause we're we're texting now. It's like, new technology. You're, tra- <laughs> you're trying it, yeah." So it takes a. And I was like, and I'm probably driving home going, ah, "Chips gone, gone crazy." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and now all we do is text. It seems like one thing that, and we didn't hit on this, and I think it's an important point. Uh, I'm tra- if I'm tracking a whole bunch of shipments, and people say, "And I'm not using the app. I'm not going. I don't have the. I don't want you tracking me on the ELDA. None of that." And I, they say, "Just check call, so I can call." And that guy says, "Yep, I'm. I'm driving in Chattanooga right now." And maybe I can take him at his word and he can trust him. But if I do the text locate, that he might send me a text and say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm in, I'm coming in Chattanooga right now. But if I look and go, no, he's 100 miles out at Chattanooga because text locate knows where his phone's at. Right. What it does is he, he would respond back it's and trust but verify. <laughs> yes. And he would, he or she would touch the link and respond back and we get their long position. So yeah, we have a lot of, a lot of our customers use it for pre-booking when they say, Hey, I can pick up in two hours. And you're like, okay, well, I just need to send you a text locate to confirm and find out they're really four hours away. Also, and I would just throw this out there. This I think more likely when somebody's driving, if I'm driving down to Chattanooga uh, from Detroit, somebody says, where are you at? I said, I don't know. I think I'm near Chattanooga. I'm, I think I'm an hour away or maybe it's a half hour away, but I don't know. I'm getting closer. As soon as I see the next sign that says 25 miles, I'll know where I'm at, but I haven't seen one of those in a while. So that just it takes it takes a little bit of the pressure off because now we know the, and and I think also it's just the system can update like that a lot easier. Yeah, it does. Like for example, I've got a buddy that we were testing this. He and I used to work together at Covenant. He leads their their uh, innovation side. His name's Matt McClellan. He has a he was just on the podcast. Matt's oh, great. good. Yeah, so Matt has a Sprinter van. So he was traveling from the West Coast back this summer in a Sprinter van. And though that was an exact conversation. I was like, hey, I'm testing this to make sure. And I said, okay, where are you? And he was like, oh, I'm going through Nebraska. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to send you a location right now. You know, 
so when you can respond or whatever. And I was like, just so I can verify, like, where are you? And he's like, I told you I'm in Nebraska. I was trying to get something specific, but as a driver, a lot of times it's not that you don't know where you are. It's just like when you go to Florida, you know, on your trip, you, you book it, book it, plug it in, you let the thing navigate and then you figure it out. So instead of a logistics professional having a conversation with a driver saying, Hey, where are you located? And going through that. And well, what are you near? What interstate are you on? What's your mile marker? And they're like, Hey, hold on a second. Let me look. Right. And then the person is like Google and all this. We tee that straight up into Google maps for them all via lat long. Right. And I think calling Matt McClellan sprinter van, just a sprinter van is really doing it a disservice. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's van life. You have to check it out. I give him a little plug. Go to Instagram. I think it's Chad, the van. Yes, his yes, Instagram it is. page. So, yeah, yeah he's got a very he, nice Sprinter van. <laughs> he tinkers with it all the time. He's always testing new products on it. He's got all kind of, all the best. He is in the right job for innovation and sustainability. He is. He's, he's the yeah. right guy for that gig. So, and he doesn't lives it himself. Yep. So we talked a little bit about some of the problems that this solves. And again, I think this is just one more option. It, it doesn't replace Ty for right. P forty four or uh, four no, kites we want to work or well with them. any of those. It's just one more option. It's just one more option because every once in a while there's going to be that stick in the mode who says, nope, you're not doing it that way. And I think we want to do this for our customers. We we want to provide more options. I'll I'll tell you, if there was two or three more ways we can get visibility, great. (laughs) As long as it's not making it more dangerous and have at it. Yeah, it all ties in with the kind of these um, era, the movement with Industry 4.0 and then coming with Industry 5.0 is to have more connectivity as possible. So having more options for that, I think, does make make a lot of sense. We feel like it it really does and it's working. Yep. Yep. And I, I think, you know, when we talk about visibility, we've been talking about it for a few years now. And I always say there's a spectrum when you say visibility. Check call can get you visibility. I, I, I made a check call. I went in the system. I updated. Yeah, I do it three absolutely. times a day. That's visibility. The other visibility is kind of on the farther end where you say, I'm getting immediate like a text. Correct. Text locate or a P44, a Tive, all those. They're all, again, there's a spectrum. And, you know, if, I, if I'm shipping something that is maybe inexpensive and it's not particularly time sensitive, I don't really care. As long as it gets here this week, I'm good. I'm not going to care. Now, at the same time, if I'm moving vaccines across the country, I'm going to say, you know what? I need something a little tighter than this. Right. Right. So let's wrap this bad boy up. What's next for you? What's next for uh, your company, Text Locate? And what's next for the industry? When I say industry, I merely mean the visibility industry. And then before you go, we'll talk about how we reach out to you and your Text Locate team. Great. Well, from our perspective, what we really want to become, what we want Text Locate to continue doing is we want to be the the logistics enabler for text. We want to, you know, solve any kind of any problems that we can and help and assist between f- from freight brokers to 3PLs to asset providers to shippers. How can we make we feel like text messages the way of the future, obviously not just now, but it has been and will continue is the ease of that. So how do we do the pieces that we can to help. Like, for example, we don't want to, we're not trying to become a TMS system, but we want to enable communi- that communication layer with TMS systems, be able to provide the information back that they can run calculations and maps and all those kind of pieces. And then we want to be able to do things with shippers being able to send out any information that they would do that they would like to directly uh, to the driver or to whomever, communicating with customers. 
for example, where uh, a freight broker could have a, a conversation with a driver and negotiate rate, or they could have one with a customer to say, hey, is there another load or can I give you an update? Because a lot of people aren't always, obviously, on their computer or on their phone, you know, on the app, whereas text messaging would be able to give like those alerts and updates. So we want to be kind of that conduit for the logistics side and in the logistics side for text messaging. And then as far as me, I'm really excited with what we're building and growing. And I want to continue growing the team and continue to grow the business and, and simplify um, the process again for our customers. Um, we're extremely appreciative of those customers that have supported us at this point and build it. And we think we got a lot of opportunity to connect, continue to be a connective tissue and, and, and grow the business. Very nice. Very nice. So who's the sweet spot for text locate? It's really right now our target audience, I guess, from my background and stuff is really or the is the brokerage community right now and the 3PL. So if you're needing to have a communication or needing to get location updates or direct communication with a third party, that's really our target target audience. We have customers ranging from as small as a, a $6 million broker that uses it for visibility to a large broker that is, you know, a billion dollar broker out there that's using just this another option. Yeah. They get, they have the others and just having an easy frictionless way to do it. And so that everything is like tied to the load number, everything's tied in collectively in tight in the system instead of your employees going outside the system to do text messaging or other applications. And oh yeah. Like and that, that was happening. You can see it all. <laughs> yeah. It happens a lot and you don't have visibility of that. Um, somebody gets sick and they don't know what was said or what time of the pickup, or if you have detention billing or anything like that, you don't have all that data. Whereas you have it with us when it's all in one collective system tied to the load number. Yeah. You know, I didn't say this when I was talking to you uh, earlier about this, but when I was still at the third party logistics company, I remember we had a number of carriers, their drivers, I should say, that English was their second language. And it was right. difficult to talk to them on the phone. And I remember, remember the one gentleman just said, Joe, would you mind if we just texted? And I was like, yeah, that'd be better. Because I couldn't understand him and he couldn't understand me. And so I could see where this would be really... And by the way, it is. that's a big chunk of our drivers are it is. people yep. with English as a second language. So this is another one opportunity for, to avoid a check call and miscommunication. Yes, absolutely. Miscommunication with location or even just arrival departure. If if you do potentially say it incorrectly or you know it's interpreted... Whereas, yeah, with text and then a lot of the phones, it just automatically translates. So you can text in English and they can receive it, let's say, in, in Spanish, whichever yeah, way yeah. or what other language. It, it does make that a lot more simplified from that perspective. Excellent. So what I'll do, Matt, well, first off, what is your website? It's textlocate.com. So really easy to find. And then you can reach out to me anytime. Uh, it's just Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at textlocate.com. And you can go online and see all of our pricing plans. You can go down and take a look at, you know, there's a way that you can watch videos on there that we have. You can also I watched that video. It's very good. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Actually, and, I think there was a video with FreightWaves right on your front page. It's very good. Ten minutes. There is. Yeah, it's a it's an early video that we did. Yeah, it was for, with FreightWave now. It gives an explanation about the product, and we've had other ones. And then, of course, we're on LinkedIn, just text locate there as well. And you can sign up for a demo, but reach out to us if you got ideas that 
ways that you want to use um, text messaging that we're not doing today. We're, we're all ears open to new opportunities. Yep. So what I'll do, Ryan, is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and I'll put a link to text locate and any, any other links you thank give you. me, I'll put in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I think this is a, a really cool option. And again, I think that's what we all want for our customers is new options to serve them better. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.